Section 28 of White Nights and Other Stories by Fyodor Dostoevsky. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mr. Proharchin by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated from the Russian by Constance Garnett. Part 2. They began examining him, propping the culprit against the stove to do so more conveniently, and saw that it really was not a case of drunkenness, nor had he had a blow, but that something else was wrong, for Semyon Ivanovitch could not utter a word, but seemed twitching in a sort of convulsion, and only blinked, fixing his eyes in bewilderment, first on one and then on another of the spectators, who were all attired in night array. Then they began questioning the cabman, asking where he had got him from. Why, from the folks out Columna way, he answered. Deuce knows what they are. Not exactly gentry, but merry, rollicking gentlemen. So he was like this when they gave him to me. Whether they had been fighting, or whether he was in some sort of fit, goodness knows what it was, but they were nice, jolly gentlemen. Simeon Ivanovitch was taken, lifted high on the shoulders of two or three sturdy fellows, and carried to his bed. When Simeon Ivanovitch, on being put in bed, felt the sister-in-law, and put his feet on his sacred box, he cried out at the top of his voice, squatted up almost on his heels, and trembling and shaking all over with his hands and his body, he cleared a space as far as he could in his bed while gazing with a tremulous but strangely resolute look at those present. He seemed, as it were, to protest that he would sooner die than give up the hundredth part of his poor belongings to anyone. Semyon Ivanovitch lay for two or three days closely barricaded by the screen, and so cut off from all the world and all its vain anxieties. Next morning, of course, everyone had forgotten about him. Time, meanwhile, flew by as usual. Hour followed hour, day followed day. The sick man's heavy, feverish brain was plunged in something between sleep and delirium, but he lay quietly and did not moan or complain. On the contrary, he kept still in silence and controlled himself, lying low in his bed, just as the hare lies close to the earth when it hears the hunter. At times a long, depressing stillness prevailed in the flat, a sign that the lodgers had all gone to the office, and Semyon Ivanovitch, waking up, could relieve his depression by listening to the bustle in the kitchen, where the landlady was busy close by, or to the regular flop of Avdotya's downtrodden slippers, as, sighing and moaning, she cleared away, rubbed and polished, tidying all the rooms in the flat. Whole hours passed by in that way, drowsy, languid, sleepy, wearisome, like the water that dripped with a regular sound from the locker into the basin in the kitchen. At last the lodgers would arrive, one by one or in groups, and Semyon Ivanovitch could very conveniently hear them abusing the weather, saying they were hungry, making a noise, smoking, quarreling, and making friends, playing cards, and clattering the cups as they got ready for tea. Semyon Ivanovitch mechanically made an effort to get up and join them, 
as he had a right to do at tea, but he at once sank back into drowsiness, and dreamed that he had been sitting a long time at the tea-table having tea with them and talking, and that Zinovy Prokofievich had already seized the opportunity to introduce into the conversation some scheme concerning sisters-in-law and the moral relation of various worthy people to them. At this point Semyon Ivanovitch was in haste to defend himself and reply, but the mighty formula that flew from every tongue, it has more than once been observed, cut short all his objections, and Semyon Ivanovitch could do nothing better than begin dreaming again that today was the first of the month, and that he was receiving money in his office. Undoing the paper round it on the stairs, he looked about him quickly, and made haste, as fast as he could, to subtract half of the lawful wages he had received, and conceal it in his boot. Then, on the spot, on the stairs, quite regardless of the fact that he was in bed and asleep, he made up his mind when he reached home to give his landlady what was due for board and lodging, and then to buy certain necessities, and to show any one it might concern, as it were casually and unintentionally, that some of his salary had been deducted, that now he had nothing left to send his sister-in-law, than to speak with commiseration of his sister-in-law, to say a great deal about her the next day and the day after, and ten days later to say something casually again about her poverty, that his companions might not forget. Making this determination, he observed that Andrei Efimovitch, that everlastingly silent, bald little man who sat in the office three rooms from where Semyon Ivanovitch sat, and hadn't said a word to him for twenty years, was standing on the stairs, that he, too, was counting his silver rubles, and shaking his head. He said to him, Money. If there's no money, there will be no porridge, he added grimly as he went down the stairs, and just at the door he ended, And I have seven children, sir, then the little bald man, probably equally unconscious that he was acting as a phantom and not as a substantial reality, held up his hand about thirty inches from the floor, waving it vertically, muttered that the eldest was going to school, then glancing with indignation at Semyon Ivanovitch, as though it were Mr. Prokharchin's fault that he was the father of seven, pulled his hat down over his eyes, and with a whisk of his overcoat he turned to the left and disappeared. Semyon Ivanovitch was quite frightened, and though he was fully convinced of his own innocence in regard to the unpleasant accumulation of seven under one roof, yet it seemed to appear that in fact no one else was to blame but Semyon Ivanovitch. Panic-stricken, he set off running, for it seemed to him that the bald gentleman had turned back, was running after him, and meant to search him and take away all his salary insisting upon the indisputable number seven, and resolutely denying any possible claim of any sort of sisters-in-law upon Semyon Ivanovitch. Prohartchin ran and ran, gasping for breath. Beside him was running, too, an immense number of people, and all of them were jingling their money in the tail-pockets of their skimpy little dress-coats. At last everyone ran up, there was the noise of fire-engines, and whole masses of people carried him almost on their shoulders up to that same house on fire which he had watched last time in company with the drunken cadger. 
the drunken cadger alias mr zimovakin was there now too he met semyon ivanovitch made a fearful fuss took him by the arm and led him into the thickest part of the crowd just as then in reality all about them was the noise and the uproar of an immense crowd of people flooding the whole of fontanka embankment between the two bridges as well as the surrounding streets and alleys just as then semyon ivanovitch in company with the drunken cadger was carried along behind a fence where they were squeezed as though in pincers in a huge timber yard full of spectators who had gathered from the street from tokuchi market and from all the surrounding houses taverns and restaurants semyon ivanovitch saw all this and felt as he had done at the time in the whirl of fever and delirium all sorts of strange figures began flitting before him he remembered some of them one of them was a gentleman who had impressed everyone extremely a man seven feet high with whiskers half a yard long who had been standing behind Semyon Ivanovitch's back during the fire, and had given him encouragement from behind when our hero had felt something like ecstasy, and had stamped as though intending thereby to applaud the gallant work of the fireman, from which he had an excellent view from his elevated position. Another was the sturdy lad from whom our hero had received a shove by way of a lift on to another fence, when he had been disposed to climb over it possibly to save someone. He had a glimpse, too, of the figure of the old man with a sickly face, in an old wadded dressing-gown, tied around the waist, who had made his appearance before the fire in a little shop, buying sugar and tobacco for his lodger, and who now, with a milk-can and a quart pot in his hands, made his way through the crowd to the house in which his wife and daughter were burning together with thirteen and a half roubles in the corner under the bed but most distinct of all was the poor sinful woman of whom he had dreamed more than once during his illness she stood before him now as she had done then in wretched bark shoes and rags with a crutch and a wicker basket on her back she was shouting more loudly than the firemen or the crowd waving her crutch in her arms saying that her own children had turned her out and that she had lost two coppers in consequence the children and the coppers the coppers and the children were mingled together in an utterly incomprehensible muddle from which every one withdrew baffled after vain efforts to understand but the woman would not desist she kept wailing shouting and waving her arms seeming to pay no attention either to the fire up to which she had been carried by the crowd from the street or to the people about her or to the misfortune of strangers or even to the sparks and red-hot embers which were beginning to fall in showers on the crowd standing near at last mr proharchin felt that a feeling of terror was coming upon him for he saw clearly that all this was not so to say an accident and that he would not get off scot-free and indeed upon the woodstack close to him was a peasant in a torn smock that hung loose about him with his hair and beard singed and he began stirring up all the people against semyon ivanovitch 
the crowd pressed closer and closer the peasants shouted and foaming at the mouth with horror mr prohartchin suddenly realized that this peasant was a cabman whom he had cheated five years before in a most inhuman way slipping away from him without paying through a side gate and jerking up his heels as he ran as though he were barefoot on hot bricks in despair mr prohartchin tried to speak to scream but his voice failed him he felt that the infuriated crowd was twining round him like a many-coloured snake strangling him crushing him he made an incredible effort and awoke then he saw that he was on fire and that all his corner was on fire that his screen was on fire that the whole flat was on fire together with ustinya fyodorovna and all her lodgers that his bed was burning his pillow his quilt his box and last of all his precious mattress semyon ivanovitch jumped up clutched at the mattress and ran dragging it after him but in the landlady's room into which regardless of decorum our hero ran just as he was barefoot and in his shirt he was seized held tight and triumphantly carried back behind the screen which meanwhile was not on fire it seemed that it was rather semyon ivanovitch's head that was on fire and was put back to bed it was just as some tattered unshaven ill-humoured organ-grinder puts away in his travelling-box the punch who has been making an upset drubbing all the other puppets selling his soul to the devil and who at last ends his existence till the next performance in the same box with the devil the negroes the pierrot and mademoiselle katarina with her fortunate lover the captain immediately every one young and old surrounded semyon ivanovitch standing in a row round his bed and fastening eyes full of expectation on the invalid meantime he had come to himself but from shame or some other feeling began pulling up the quilt over him apparently wishing to hide himself under it from the attention of his sympathetic friends at last mark ivanovitch was the first to break the silence and as a sensible man he began saying in a very friendly way that semyon ivanovitch must keep calm that it was too bad and a shame to be ill that only little children behaved like that and that he must get well and go to the office mark ivanovitch ended by a little choke saying that no regular salary had yet been fixed for invalids and as he knew for a fact that their grade would be very low in the service to his thinking anyway their calling or condition did not promise great and substantial advantages in fact it was evident that they were all taking genuine interest in semyon ivanovitch's fate and were very sympathetic but with incomprehensible rudeness semyon ivanovitch persisted in lying in bed in silence and obstinately pulling the quilt higher and higher over his head mark ivanovitch however would not be gainsaid and restraining his feelings said something very honeyed to semyon ivanovitch again knowing that that was how he ought to treat a sick man but semyon ivanovitch would not feel this on the contrary he muttered something between his teeth with the most distrustful air and suddenly began glancing askance from right to left in a hostile way as though he would have reduced his sympathetic friends to ashes with his eyes it was no use letting it stop there mark ivanovitch lost patience 
and seeing that the man was offended and completely exasperated, and had simply made up his mind to be obstinate, told him straight out, without any softening suavity, that it was time to get up, that it was no use lying there, that shouting day and night about houses on fire, sisters-in-law, drunken cadgers, locks, boxes, and goodness knows what, was all stupid, improper, and degrading, for if Semyon Ivanovitch did not want to sleep himself, he should not hinder other people, and please would he bear it in mind. This speech produced its effects, for Semyon Ivanovitch, turning promptly to the orator, articulated firmly, though in a hoarse voice, "'You hold your tongue, puppy! You idle speaker! You foul-mouthed man! Do you hear, young dandy? Are you a prince, eh? Do you understand what I say?' Hearing such insults, Mark Ivanovitch fired up, but realizing that he had to deal with the sick man, magnanimously overcame his resentment and tried to shame him out of his humor. But was cut short in that too, for Semyon Ivanovitch observed at once that he would not allow people to play with him, for all that Mark Ivanovitch wrote poetry. Then following a silence of two minutes, at last recovering from his amazement, Mark Ivanovitch, plainly, clearly, in well-chosen language, but with firmness, declared that Semyon Ivanovitch ought to understand that he was among gentlemen, and, you ought to understand, sir, how to behave with gentlemen. Mark Ivanovitch could on occasion speak effectively, and liked to impress his hearers, but probably from the habit of years of silence, Semyon Ivanovitch talked and acted somewhat abruptly, and moreover, when he did on occasion begin a long sentence, as he got further into it, every word seemed to lead to another word, that other word to a third word, and the third to a fourth, and so on, so that his mouth seemed brimming over. He began stuttering, and the crowded words took to flying out in picturesque disorder. That was why Semyon Ivanovitch, who was a sensible man, sometimes talked terrible nonsense. "'You are lying,' he said now. "'You booby! You loose fellow! You'll come to want! You'll go begging, you seditious fellow! You, you loafer! Take that, you poet!' "'Why, you are still raving, aren't you, Semyon Ivanovitch?' "'I tell you what,' answered Semyon Ivanovitch, "'fools rave!' drunkards rave dogs rave but a wise man acts sensibly i tell you you don't know your own business you loafer you educated gentleman you learned book here you'll get on fire and not notice your head's burning off what do you think of that why you mean how do you mean burn my head off Semyon ivanovitch mark ivanovitch said no more for everyone saw clearly that Semyon Ivanovitch was not in his sober senses, but delirious. But the landlady could not resist remarking at this point that the house in Crooked Lane had been burnt owing to a bald wench, that there was a bald-headed wench living there, that she had lighted a candle and set fire to the lumber-room, but nothing would happen in her place, and everything would be all right in the flats. "'But look here, Semyon Ivanovitch,' cried Zinovy Prokofievich, losing patience and interrupting the landlady. "'You old fogey! You old crock! You silly fellow! Are they making jokes with you now about your sister-in-law or examinations and dancing? Is that it? Is that what you think?' "'Now, I tell you what,' 
answered our hero sitting up in bed and making a last effort in a paroxysm of fury with his sympathetic friends who's the fool you are the fool a dog is a fool you joking gentlemen but i am not going to make jokes to please you sir do you hear puppy i'm not your servant sir Semyon Ivanovitch would have said something more, but he fell back in bed helpless. His sympathetic friends were left gaping in perplexity, for they understood now what was wrong with Semyon Ivanovitch, and did not know how to begin. Suddenly the kitchen door creaked and opened, and the drunken cadger, alias Mr. Zimovakin, timidly thrust in his head, cautiously sniffing round the place as his habit was. It seemed as though he had been expected. Everyone waved to him at once to come quickly, and Zemovyekin, highly delighted, with the utmost readiness and haste, jostled his way to Semyon Ivanovitch's bedside. It was evident that Zemovyekin had spent the whole night in vigil and in great exertions of some sort. The right side of his face was plastered up. His swollen eyelids were wet from his running eyes, his coat and all his clothes were torn, while the whole left side of his attire was bespattered with something extremely nasty, possibly mud from a puddle. Under his arm was somebody's violin, which he had been taking somewhere to sell. Apparently they had not made a mistake in summoning him to their assistance, for seeing the position of affairs he addressed the delinquent at once, and with the air of a man who knows what he is about and feels that he has the upper hand, said, what are you thinking about get up senka what are you doing a clever chap like you be sensible or i shall pull you out of bed if you are obstreperous don't be obstreperous this brief but forcible speech surprised them all still more they were surprised when they noticed that Semyon ivanovitch hearing all this and seeing this person before him was so flustered and reduced to such confusion and dismay that he could scarcely mutter through his teeth in a whisper the inevitable protest go away you wretch he said you are a wretched creature you are a thief do you hear do you understand you are a great swell my fine gentleman you regular swell no my boy zimovakin answered emphatically retaining all his presence of mind you're wrong there you wise fellow you regular proharchin zimovakin went on parodying simon ivanovitch and looking around gleefully don't be obstreperous. Behave yourself, Senka. Behave yourself, or I'll give you away. I'll tell them all about it, my lad. Do you understand? Apparently, Semyon Ivanovitch did understand, for he started when he heard the conclusion of the speech and began looking rapidly about him with an utterly desperate air. Satisfied with the effect, Mr. Zimovakin would have continued, but Mark Ivanovitch checked his zeal and, waiting till Semyon Ivanovitch was still and almost calm again, began judiciously impressing on the uneasy invalid at great length that to harbor ideas such as he now had in his head was, first, useless, and secondly, not only useless, but harmful, and, in fact, not so much harmful as positively immoral, and the cause of it all was that Semyon Ivanovitch was not only a bad example, but led them all into temptation everyone expected satisfactory results from this speech moreover by now semyon ivanovitch was quite quiet and replied in measured terms a quiet discussion followed 
they appealed to him in a friendly way inquiring what he was so frightened of Semyon ivanovitch answered but his answers were irrelevant they answered him he answered them there was one or two more observations on both sides and then everyone rushed into discussion for suddenly such a strange and amazing subject cropped up that they did not know how to express themselves the argument at last led to impatience impatience led to shouting and shouting even to tears and mark ivanovitch went away at last foaming at the mouth and declaring that he had never known such a blockhead oplevanyev spat in disgust okeanov was frightened zinovy prokofievitch became tearful while ustinya fyodorovna positively howled wailing that her lodger was leaving them and had gone off his head that he would die poor dear man without a passport and without telling anyone while she was a lone forlorn woman and that she would be dragged from pillar to post in fact they all saw clearly at last that the seed they had sown had yielded a hundredfold that the soil had been too productive and that in their company semyon ivanovitch had succeeded in overstraining his wits completely and in the most irrevocable manner everyone subsided into silence for though they saw that semyon ivanovitch was frightened the sympathetic friends were frightened too what cried mark ivanovitch but what are you afraid of what have you gone off your head about who's thinking about you my good sir have you the right to be afraid who are you what are you nothing sir a round knot sir that is what you are what are you making a fuss about a woman has been run over in the street so are you going to be run over some drunkard did not take care of his pocket but is that any reason why your coat-tail should be cut off a house is burnt down so your head is to be burnt off is it is that it sir is that it you 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 stupid muttered semyon ivanovitch if your nose were cut off you would eat it up with a bit of bread and not notice it i may be a dandy shouted mark ivanovitch not listening i may be a regular dandy but i have not to pass an examination to get married to learn dancing the ground is firm under me sir why my good man haven't you room enough is the floor giving way under your feet or what well they won't ask you will they they'll shut one up and that will be the end of it the end of it that's what's up what's your idea now eh why they kicked out the drunken cadger yes but you see that was a drunkard and you are a man and so am i yes i am a man it's there all right one day and then it's gone gone but what do you mean by it why the office the off office yes you blessed man but of course the office is wanted and necessary it is wanted i tell you it's wanted today and it's wanted tomorrow but the day after tomorrow it will not be wanted you have heard what happened why but they'll pay you your salary for the year you doubting thomas you man of little faith they'll put you into another job on account of your age salary 
but what if i have spent my salary if thieves come and take my money and i have a sister-in-law do you hear a sister-in-law you battering ram a sister-in-law you are a man yes i am i am a man but you are a well-read gentleman and a fool do you hear you battering ram you regular battering ram that's what you are i'm not talking about your jokes but there are jobs such that all of a sudden they are done away with and damn it do you hear Demit vasilievich says that the post will be done away with ah oh, bless you with your damn it you sinner why you know in a twinkling of an eye you'll be left without a post and then you'll just have to make the best of it why you're simply raving or clean off your head tell us plainly what have you done own up if you have done something wrong it's no use being ashamed are you off your head my good man eh he's off his head he's gone off his head they all cried and wrung their hands in despair while the landlady threw both her arms around mark ivanovitch for fear that he should tear semyon ivanovitch to pieces end of part two